Chinese prices are falling faster than at any time since the GFC, prompting expectations for greater stimulus. The Bank of India holds its policy rate, but more hawkishly than expected, and the chances for a February rate hike in New Zealand are on the rise. That's coming up in our Five Things in Five Minutes. And then, in part two of our deep-dive interview about the Lunar New Year, ANZ Chief Economist for Greater China, Raymond Yung, looks at China's fast-changing energy industry in the fire era, out to 2043, and what that means for the rest of the world. So uh, China itself uh, has to bear the cost of this type of supply of uh, energy-saving device, and the uh, energy consumption in China has actually rose last year instead of decreasing. But first in 5 and 5 with ANZ, the Aussie and Kiwi dollars are opening down this morning after solid US jobs numbers bolstered US bond yields and, of course, the US dollar. The Aussie is at 64.90 US cents at 4am Sydney Melbourne time, the Kiwi at 60.93. These risk currencies were also weak after China's deflation rate in January was the most since the global financial crisis. The consumer price index there fell 0.8% from a year ago in January. The expectations were for a 0.5% drop. Producer prices, now they're the prices of things sold as they leave the factory, they also fell 2.5%. Now that was less than expectations of a 2.6% fall, but it was the 16th straight month of producer price declines. ANZ Chief Economist for Greater China, Raymond Yung, says while greater e-commerce competition is helping consumers by driving competition, price weakness is broad across the economy. We can attribute this deflationary pressure in China to the overall lack of demand, the weak demand of the overall economy. The other side of the coin is oversupply, or overcapacity of uh, on the producer front. And we know that the uh, demand has been weak because of the prolonged downturn of property market, which used to contribute a quarter of the economy. So with this downturn, then the whole supply chain related to domestic demands are basically very weak. Number two, Raymond says the data has prompted expectations of further stimulus from authorities dealing not only with general price declines, but a weakened stock market and falling confidence in China's property sector. I believe that um, the uh, government is already trying to design a package of policy and trying to launch it. Now, it's just a problem of how they're going to execute it. If they, just like in the past 12 or 18 months that they launched these different type of measures on a piecemeal basis, the effect will not be that strong. But if they are able to give a, a bazooka, big bang stimulus to the economy and to stabilize the market sentiment, um, the effect and the impact will be much, much stronger. Number three. In New Zealand, as markets digest Wednesday's stronger-than-expected jobs data, ANZ New Zealand Chief Economist Sharon Zollner says there are growing question marks about whether the Reserve Bank can say at its next decision on 28th of February that it's doing enough to bring inflation back to target in a reasonable time frame. So before the labour market data, the market was pricing about a 5% chance of a hike. Uh, consequently, that lifted to about 20%. Uh, we would put the odds quite a lot higher than that, uh, probably getting close to around 50%. Actually, it's looking like a line ball call to us at this stage. While the surprise on unemployment was small and the surprise on non-tradable inflation was small and the surprise on everything else was small, it really, it, it has been a case of 
the last straw that broke the camel's back. We have had uh, quite a bit of data that suggests that the inflation fighting job is just going to be a little bit tougher, take a little bit longer. Number four. At the same time, Sharon says strong population growth has been masking broader economic weakness in New Zealand. ANZ Research's Trachometer Index of New Zealand traffic movements in January, which was out yesterday, suggested growth is slowing. It was nice to see a small lift in the light traffic um, in January, but at just 1.7% for the year, you can't really say that it's strong. Uh, the heavy traffic, that tends to be contemporaneous with GDP. So if traffic's strong in the last three months of the year, odds are GDP rose, for example. Uh, that data wasn't particularly strong in December, but it did lift uh, quite a bit in January. Uh, but it's again, is up only about 2.3% in the year, which is less than estimated population growth at the moment. So it certainly does demonstrate that the economy is doing it tough. I think a, a lot of retailers have found themselves overstocked, for example. So fewer truck movements. Imports are also pretty sluggish. Uh, it's all consistent with a slowing economy um, as tighter monetary policy works through and some of those excesses of the COVID era. Uh, Number five, the Reserve Bank of India held its policy rate as expected overnight, but kept a more hawkish stance than some in the markets had hoped. Here's ANZ economist Diraj Nim. The bottom line is that not sufficient progress has been made on inflation. Of course, inflation has been falling and the outlook uh, shows that inflation will continue to fall. But just to give you some perspective, the current inflation is trending about 5% and even one year out, the inflation projection by the Reserve Bank of India shows it at 4.7%. So this is still far from the 4% target. And I think as long as the 4% target or an alignment with it remains elusive, the Reserve Bank of India is unlikely to lower its guards. Diraj Nimne. Now, in part two of our deep dive interview ahead of the Lunar New Year, ANZ Chief Economist for Greater China, Raymond Yung, explains how China's increased production of energy-efficient technology, like EVs, is itself requiring greater domestic energy consumption. And he talks about how that interacts with China's pledge to become carbon neutral by 2060. This is the beginning of the fire era uh, uh, for the next 20 years or so, from 2024 to 2043. And it's important for the energy sector in China because of the pledge to get to carbon neutrality by 2060. And also there's some quite tough targets for being more energy efficient. Could you tell us about you know, the next couple of years for China's energy and green sectors and why the fire era is, is important? <laughs> the five era referred to, you know, according to the Chinese feng shui, um, it's also the five element cycles. Um, uh, each 20 years belongs to one of these elements and the coming 20 years will be uh, uh, the fire era, uh, which means that the activities of fire will be dominating and that will be a transitioning from the previous 20 years, which was the earth era. So a lot of the buy side uh, analysts and portfolio manager were thinking about whether that will uh, affect the uh, structural change of the structural shift of the Chinese economy from a property-led or land-based economy to an energy-led economy. Now, in terms of energy, obviously, they were referring to the new energy, which means that uh, a lot of the Chinese economic reform and the structural change will focus on uh, the energy transition, as you mentioned, Bernard. Now, obviously, this is a, the long-term 
strategy of the Chinese government, and they have set a target to cut the energy consumption per unit of GDP by 13.5%, and that's a hard target by the President Xi Jinping and by the National Development and Reform Commission as well. So uh, these targets are very essential, you know, for China to reach the carbon peak by 2030 and carbon neutrality by uh, 2060. Now, obviously, it's not easy to proceed. Actually, if you look at uh, what happened in the last two years, uh, it seems to be a lack of progress in terms of China pushing for energy efficiency. And the official data showed that the energy consumption per unit of GDP actually rose by 0.5% last year, uh, 2023. So they didn't meet the target. They met the target of the GDP growth you know, by 5%, but uh, they have not met the target to reduce the energy consumption or improvement in energy efficiency. Now, even though that we know that China has been very strong in producing electric vehicles now and actually responsible for 40% of global supply of EV and 80% of solar panel production in the world, but because of the strong production, actually they use a lot of energy in producing those energy-saving products for the rest of the world. Raymond Yun there. That's it for another week. Join us on Monday morning where we'll preview a big speech coming up from Reserve Bank of New Zealand Governor Adrian Orr. This podcast contains general information only, not investment advice. You should obtain advice for your personal circumstances before making any investment decisions. Please view the podcast disclaimer available via your media player or email.